following program is intended for mature audiences. The time is now for the hardest hit, yet completely trivial, football show on the planet. You are in rarefied territory. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Broken Helmet. Let's rock. Welcome, everybody, to the Broken Helmet on this Wednesday, August 11th, coming to you live on tape as always. How is everybody doing this evening, this morning, or whenever the fuck you're listening to the podcast? The beauty of podcasting. I record now. You listen whenever. So, hope your week has been going good. We uh, dropped the last one Monday morning. Took a couple of days off because, eh, tell you the truth, there wasn't shit going on. Nothing. It has been, oddly enough, a very, very quiet, quiet preseason so far through a couple of weeks. A couple of injuries here and there, which we always get to. Not a whole hell of a lot of stories. Trying to put my finger on why. Could still be early also think that the way this season is lined up with COVID, people coming off of injuries coming into it, the lack of one preseason week, because obviously they're only doing three preseason games, three preseason games now, as opposed to four, is that teams just don't value the preseason for first team reps anymore. I mean, they get them in there, they install their systems, but I think the conclusion has come to none of the NFL teams want to risk long-term injury, and I don't think that there is a lot of value placed in everything that you get done in the preseason anymore. We said this here for a while. Uh, I read other places too, so again, not an original thought. However, uh, you know, the first four weeks of the regular season is truly the preseason for the year, right? You can take season weeks one through four in the NFL season and consider that the preseason. What you're seeing right now, what you're seeing right now, Garbaggio. Garbaggio. This is fourth, fifth stringers. This is getting rid of all the fat. You watch uh, Hard Knocks every year. And every year Hard Knocks focuses on these random Joes that you never hear from again. Or, you know, the old player getting going out the door. I, I think Chad Johnson, wasn't he featured one year when he went to Miami, maybe? Was that it? Um, I'm trying to remember. And it was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's Chad Johnson on Miami. It's not Chad Johnson in his prime on the Bengals. But, you know, and that's every year with Hard Knocks is it's always these side stories. Either that or how Antonio Cromartie can't remember his 50 kids' names, which is difficult when you have that many. Um, But the preseason really has not amounted to much this year. And a lot less than years before, if you ask me. Granted, we're only 
uh, you know, week two into this. But you're losing one week because the season's got 17 games. So, uh, actually, today, tonight, I went with the family, two kitties, plus the wifey. She actually got the tickets to the New York Giants Fan Fest. Yes! Tons of people all lined up. And let me tell you, it couldn't have been a more bullshit event if you had ever put one together. This damn thing was about one thing and one thing only. And it was not the fans. Not at all. Hey, fans, why don't you come? Free tickets. Come sit in the stadium. Watch us practice. But buy a $12 beer. Buy a $17 popcorn. Oh, buy a $40 hat. Buy a $50 shirt. $80 sweatshirt. $100 glass. I mean, enough is enough already. Enough is enough already. We went, and it was fun. I, it took the kids. The kids had no clue what was going on. They're 10 and 6, so they're not even into football yet. But uh, it would have been fun had they been in the Giants. But, goddamn, the only thing there was to do there was to buy shit. That was it. <laughs> That's all you could do there. You could buy super expensive beers, super expensive be- food, or super expensive merch. That's it. Kids were probably fascinated with it because, you know, they watch YouTube all day and everything's like, hit my like button, buy my merch, go to my merch shop, buy my merch, buy my fucking sweatshirt, buy my hat, buy my, you know, my onesie for your, you know, if you can wear one. It's just so much brutalization of the fan. Sorry, it is. It is. If you're a fan and you go to a live game, you're going to have that in-stadium experience. Probably sharing that experience with people that you know. Uh, If you're a kid, you might go with your family. If you're a little bit older, you're going with your friends. If you're in college, you're doing tailgates, boozing, the rest. Then it's all about the tailgate parties, who's got the best tailgate, where do they set up. You know, and then you start meeting people from you know other towns when you go to college. If you're so lucky to you know meet people from around your area, and then oh oh you guys set up your tailgate here, and they set up their tailgate there, and then you go to games, and all of a sudden it's like oh let, let's check out all the different tailgates and everything. So that's kind of like where where you go. You go to experience the live event and everything that's associated with that. The booze, the food, the stories, the laughter. Just the enjoyment of other people. The NFL has you there in the stadium so that they can share your money. Period. That's what you're there there for. EPMD said it. You are a customer, baby. A motherfucking customer. And don't you forget it. And don't you forget it. So, um, but went tonight and it was a fun event. I uh, did spend some money because, like I said, I am a fucking customer. Where takes for nothing. And so I forked over some of that. But on the way in, it was funny because I'm sitting in there. My wife is to the left of me. Our two kids are in front of us. And we're just walking down toward the Pepsi Gate. Obviously, the Pepsi Gate, right? Because everything's got to be fucking sold. It's about to get all stupid up in here. So there's the SAP gap, the Bud Light gap. I mean, I'm sorry, SAP Gap, SAP Gate, the Bud Light Gate, the Verizon Gate, the Pepsi Gate, everything's a gate. Old Giant Stadium, and I'm sure this was the same for all other stadiums, used to be Gate A, B, C, D, or Gate 1, 2, 3, 4. Now it's Gate, you know, uh, Baba Ganoush, and Gate uh, The Sun is Shining, and whatever 
fucking sponsor you want to stick in there. Everything in these stadiums are for sale. So we're heading toward the Pepsi gate. And sure enough, there's a couple of girls in front of us, probably in their 20s or early 30s. And the one girl bends over to tie her shoe. And she is mm, overweight. And as she bends over, sure enough, like every other female on the planet in 2021, she is wearing skin-tight spandex. Skin-tight spandex, the color black, that are probably one to two sizes smaller than her body. And as she bends over to tie her shoe, wouldn't you know it, whole fanny, whole fanny just showing. Because the black spandex, when extended out, are basically like a wet white t-shirt. It's see everything. So I look over because I'm like, oh, whoa, hello. You know, you got like that camo or paisley underwear on. I'm sure my kids are seeing it because how can you miss that planet in front of us in the spandex i look over to my wife and i'm just like whoa she's like do you see that i'm like how can i miss it it's uranus it's just gigantic it's so big and you should be wearing sweatpants and you should be wearing like xl sweatpants but you're not you're wearing medium black spandex and it just doesn't work and i just don't understand it's been what 10 years of this now if not more i mean i understand the female body is enjoyable to look at but that's all in moderation some people can wear whatever they want other people just can't it's not meant i am not going to be wearing any tight form-fitting athletic cut shirts not right now probably never again and do you know why because i got a gut it doesn't look good i wear a I wear a large and all of a sudden i see myself in a poor profile view and i said oh hey buddy that's a fat spare a fat spare tire hanging around your gut and check it chicks aren't looking at that being like you know what that guy's got like an extra 20 pounds on him he's looking good no they're not they're saying look at that fat fuck go out of a salad buddy and it the same applies to everybody i am no different than anybody else so uh the kids got to see some astronomy tonight in front of us and that's what we saw on our way in that that's how we started the night and then it was followed by spending i don't know $5,000 in merch and beer uh, while we sat there watching a practice. So anyway, uh, so that is how our night went. But the NFL is in full form. I don't know where I was going with that, but uh, preseason, I guess. Preseason kind of sucks, and that's where we're at. Well, anyway, let's uh, hit up everything that's been going on. There hasn't been much the past couple of days, so we'll do our usual Start off with the injuries. Now, this is kind of important because it involves a quarterback, and quarterback injuries are big, especially in the preseason, and especially when you're the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott's injury is not going away, folks. And there was an there is an update just tonight. But last, I guess it was last night or whenever Hard Knocks premiered, uh, I did not watch it. But during the Hard Knock premiere. They showed the Cowboys calling both the Rangers and the Yankees to get feedback on Dak Prescott's shoulder. And I think we might have mentioned this previously, but there it is right there on camera that they were going trying to do some recon on what's going on with his shoulder. 
And I don't know, maybe that is common practice around the NFL. Not quite sure. I would imagine that a football quarterback and a baseball pitcher have different ailments. I mean, they're both shoulders, but I would think that they're different throwing motions, right? And the ailments would be different. So for them to be consulting to baseball teams is a little head-scratching because it begs the question, hey, are you guys dealing with something that you're not quite familiar with in which you need some kind of expert opinion outside of your own building? That's what it kind of screams to me. And so then tonight, word broke, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Cowboys broke it themselves as they mentioned it on their Twitter feed. I actually saw it on the Twitter feed, and I took a snapshot of it before. So let me pull it up, and this is what it said. So the Cowboys state that it's not a setback, and it's not a reason to worry, but QB Dak Prescott is planning on getting another MRI. Uh, That was two hours ago. That was at 10 o'clock. So this was about 9 o'clock that word of that broke. So here you have a team calling other professional teams in different sports, asking them for feedback on their quarterback shoulder injury, followed by a second MRI. Now, maybe it's just exploratory, and they're just trying to see if there's been any change from the initial MRI. It would make sense. However, it seems to me if you took the MRI and you knew what you were dealing with and it was only a couple of weeks, would you really need the other MRI? You would kind of know what was going on. Again, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. It just seemed to be outside the normal process, one would think the team would take with the shoulder injury. So that was breaking tonight. Other injuries, Bears wide receiver Allen Robinson, he was held out of practice with a bad hammy. Now that's significant because if you remember, Robinson wanted a contract. He got franchised and took it, so he's on a one-year deal. So if Robinson ends up having a shitbox year because his hamstring's bad and he plays in that franchise tag, well, guess what? Uh... There goes your future earnings. So that's why everybody hates the franchise tag because of the risk of injury and what that would imply. Obviously, the Bears would have more value for Robinson if he was all banged up. Other teams would probably be a little hesitant because they'd say, hey, you know, you looked good. You're 27. Now you're 28. You got a bad hamstring. And we're not so sure. So something to keep an eye on only because that franchise tag has a big implication. If he had three more years on a deal, uh, whatever, you know, if he has a a bad year this year, so be it. Um, Going over to Indianapolis, this is kind of nuts, this whole story. And I don't know what to make of it without being a reporter on the scene and actually talking to people within the franchise and member club about what the real deal is. However, they're now saying Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson are trending toward playing in week one. If you could believe that shit, these guys both had the same ankle injury, both had surgery, were giving timetables of five to 12 weeks of recovery. And to trend toward playing in week one, I think would be under five weeks. I think it would be about four. I could be wrong. So 5 to 12, and then you're back in 4? Something about it, to me, smells a little funky. 
Frank Reich, the coach, said it's still too early to tell, but Wentz was back at the practice field without a boot today. So, you know, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know. If you know what to make of it, good for you. But to me, I'm very questionable about somebody having foot surgery and then being back in four weeks to play on it. But maybe medical technology and the advancements in the field have gotten us to a point where you can break a foot, have surgery on it, and come back in four weeks. We're going to find out. Speaking of Colts, their rookie, Quiddy Pay, he was injured. He walked off with an injury today. I think it might have been an ankle. Um, he was actually somebody that the Giants, me being a Giant fan, I know that they were looking at. Uh, he ended up sliding, and then the Colts pounced on him. Another rookie, Bears rookie tackle, Tevin Jenkins, he's dealing with a back injury. Basically, he's kept him out all of camp. They were talking about him being a starter, you know, obviously having a rookie with a bad back that hasn't been in camp is not going to lend itself towards starting material, maybe as the season goes on. More rookie injuries, and this one also significant, Ravens wide receiver Rashawn Bateman. We talked about him previously because when um, uh, Hollywood Brown ended up having an injury, we had said at the time that Rashawn Bateman was also out. Well, he has come back, and now he is out again. So he's dealing with a groin injury, soft tissue injury. He's going to be out for weeks. So weeks is what the word is. Uh, That obviously you would think would bleed into the regular season at this point since there's only three weeks in preseason. Uh, Lions' DeAndre Swift he has been hampered by a sore groin. Sore groins being handed out like like candy on Halloween night. So the Lions, what would you assume would be their starting running back, is going to be battling a sore groin. That means Jamal Williams, the backup, is probably going to see some extra time. Probably not good for the Lions, but then again, who cares? It's the Lions, and they're probably going to just be stinky in 2021. But you never know. Still, this has more fantasy implications. Ugh. God, Rich, can you fucking talk? This probably has more fantasy ramifications than it does actual Lions performance because the Lions are just going to stink all year. Um, The Patriots, remember the day in the offseason made plays for everybody across the board. They spent a shit ton of money. Um, And it looked like it was good, and they had a focus and... One of the, well, I should say two of the pieces were very reminiscent of Belichick strategies in the past as he picked up both Hunter Henry and uh, the other tight end who is Jono Smith. Jono Smith and Hunter Henry are now Patriots, and that was reminiscent of the Gronk-Aaron Hernandez dual tight end approach that was taken early 2000s, well, or like 2009, I guess. Well, now Hunter Henry, who has been injured his whole career, is going to miss a couple of weeks with a shoulder injury. I mean, you can make it up with this guy. I feel so bad for him because he always has some kind of injury that isn't really related to the other injury. And I think when he was really, really primed to hit it big and had just a ton of juice behind him, was that three or four years ago? And he blew his knee out and missed the entire year? 
Um, yeah, I mean, it had to be. I mean, every time he's lined up to do something big, and now he goes to the Patriots where you would imagine that they're picking up these two tight ends to feature them quite a bit. Now he goes down for weeks with a shoulder injury. Coming off of the injured list, the pup list, Cowboys wide receiver Amari Cooper. Now, some haven't been following this, but he had ankle surgery in January. So he hasn't really done a whole hell of a lot, but he now is back on the field. And so another player back on the field, right after he just inked himself a whole shit ton of money. Congratulations to Darius Leonard. Not only did you make the, if I remember it right, the most an inside linebacker has ever made, you now have also got back on the field, uh, which is great. I think it was something minor. I think it was an ankle injury. The question with Leonard, I think, going forward is just going to be we're one year off of his big concussion that knocked him out and had him saying some really scary shit. So I'm not really worried about an ankle as much as um wasn't if it wasn't an ankle whatever it might have been, um I am more concerned about the head injury and any future concussions that might happen, because it's very similar to the Chuck Liddell syndrome, right? Remember Chuck Liddell had an iron iron jaw. I mean that guy was tough as nails, and he took his first knockout, and then each one after that went down more and more and more, to the point that he was just getting one-punched and dropping. And that's just the nature of brain injuries, from my understanding, is that once you get one, you get two, you get three, and it just gets easier and easier to receive a concussion and concussion-like syndromes. So uh, that that's what I would be concerned with, why I was a little shocked at the money that they gave Leonard, but... That is what they did. He is back from injury, and we will see how his 2021 goes. That's about all the injuries I had lined up for the past couple of days. Outside of injuries, other NFL news. We'll go to Seattle. Jamal Adams, the contract issues with him continue to drag on and on and on. And folks, this is why Jets got rid of this fucking guy. Because they saw this from a mile away. I mean, I think everybody saw this coming from a mile away. He's a great player, but he wants to get paid. And he wants to get paid now, and that that's it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The Jets weren't going to do it. He bitched and moaned, shitboxed the team, and got himself sent to Seattle. Now, he's not shitboxing Seattle. He's just making the same stink without going over the edge. So, he's having issues contract issues. The negotiations have now stalled. Russell Wilson, however, stepped in. He said he's willing to restructure his deal for Adams. Uh, you know, maybe. Maybe that helps out, but I mean, Adams wants to crush it. I mean, plain and simple, he wants to crush it. And, I, you know, how can Seattle give him a monster con- that that The contract that he wants, it'll cripple their cap. Now, caps are funky because you can obviously work around them, but what Adams wants is going to be nutso. Um, I'll, I'm watching this because obviously, like the Xavier Howard contract issue, this one interests me because I want to see what Seattle does based on their future cap. I want to see if they just cripple themselves trying to cater to this guy. Now, the, the Dolphins did not. So Xavier Howard pushed the Dolphins to the edge, and the Dolphins basically... I. I would not have renegotiated the contract anyway, but it seemed like he was just going to hold out. 
although he probably would have lost a ton of money. But the way that they worked that deal was basically by allowing him to get some extra money without redoing a new contract. So it's not a new contract. They just folded some non-guaranteed money to guaranteed money. They upped a little bit of the salary. It was very much, you know, sprinkles on the icing on the cake. They didn't do a whole hell of a lot. They didn't redo the cake. They just added some, uh, you know, little delicious treats on the outside of it that uh, made it palatable for Xavier Howard. Jamal Adams, he's going to want a whole gigantic, uh, uh, I don't know, the name your, uh, some big gigantic seven-layer cake with a whole bunch of shit. You know, a baked Alaskan. Baked Alaskan, is that a big giant cake? I know they set that shit on fire. And uh, so that that's what Jamal Adams, he wants a big baked Alaskan is what he wants. Um, otherwise, all right, so off of uh, Seattle and Jamal Adams, Saints actually lost their cornerback, Patrick Robinson, to retirement. He basically came into camp and then said, Game over, man. It's game over. Out the door. So they're going to have to, he was lined up, it looked like, to be the other starter next to Lattimore, and now they're going to have to get somebody out to replace them. And I think I saw names out. I think I saw Prince of Makamura was one of the names, along with a couple other ones. But things in Saintville are not looking up. It looks like when Breeze retired, it might have retired this whole era because for whatever reason, things have started to fall apart. And on top of little things like Robinson retiring so close to the season, leaving them short a quarterback, a possible starting quarterback, the Michael Thomas situation has continued to get murky With since last time we talked. Now he starts going after the team, saying that the team's trying to make him look bad. And all of a sudden, there's just trade talk everywhere because this is what happens. This is how this works. The player gets upset for whatever given reason and starts making a holy fit. And the team has to decide, are we going to have to keep this guy and deal with this shit? Usually money helps out in that regard. But this doesn't really seem like this is a, a money deal. Because remember, this started because he had the ankle injury at the end of last year, didn't get surgery, got so close to the season, he they put him on the inactive list. He was going to miss the first, what, six weeks of the season? Um, I remember right. But anyway, he's going to miss regular season work because he decided to have ankle surgery now. And that was questionable at the time, and it obviously was an issue because the team came out afterward saying that they tried to get him to get surgery. They tried to call him and talk to him, and he didn't pick up any of their fucking calls. None of them. And I'm sorry, when that happens, that's an issue. And that's an issue. And so now Michael Thomas, after that comes out, says that the team's trying to badmouth him. And so now you have the team complaining because they say the guy went AWOL. The player coming back and saying the team's trying to badmouth me. And I don't, you know, how do you repair that? Usually these things are done around a contract. I don't think contract's going to do it, it, you know, this time. We're going to find out. I think last time we were talking, I kind of felt like he just didn't want to play until later in the year because, you know, I, I mean... Maybe he doesn't even come back at all because, you know, he'll say his ankle doesn't really feel good and the team will be in the tank. I, who the hell knows? Um, but things with Michael Thomas are not looking good. Uh, let's go to our PFT 
NXT rag session. <laughs> this is one of my favorite uh, favorite parts of the podcast is when I can get the shit on Mike Florio. And not because I, I know him, I don't. Uh, I think I talked to him a couple of times on radio. I tried to book him for a show that I produced uh, down at 790. Actually brought him on the weekend show that I used to do uh, once in a blue moon. I used to do it with Zach Krantz primarily. But I think me and Krantz had Florio on. So I nothing against the guy. It's just... He's injected himself so much into his site over the past couple of years. And now with his heavy liberal lean, it's just a blast to go after him. So let's do the PFT rag session. And this one is once again going to focus on betting, right? So first, let's go back to the Michael Thomas story we literally just spoke about. So when discussing the Michael Thomas story... Florio turns around and references PointsBet, which is a online sports book, references PointsBet, and they're betting, the, the bets that they're taking on Michael Thomas and where he's going. And basically, the leader right now, odds-wise, is him staying in New Orleans. So Florio, Florio once again, references betting to create a story. And if you remember this, it was just a couple of weeks ago that this is how the whole Aaron Rodgers thing started, which turned out to be nothing. Aaron Rodgers was never going anywhere. Was never going anywhere. But PFT on a Friday night wrote that Vegas had taken all of Green Bay's bets off the board and then said, there's trouble brewing. There's trouble brewing because he's not on the Vegas odds boards anymore. Are you fucking retarded? You don't know anything about betting because you never covered it. Because from the point that you came from, right, which was ESPN originally, that's where you tried to catch on. You couldn't catch on. Then you were a lawyer. Then you decided to run your rag site and it caught fire because it was awesome. So you never covered gambling ever. And I know because I read your site continually for now almost 20 years. So you never covered gambling. And primarily, I would imagine, is because you didn't really, really, really want to piss off the NFL, who up until gambling was legalized, thanks New Jersey, didn't embrace gambling. Now they do. So now everybody does, right? Which is a joke. And let's establish a couple other things which we said last podcast, but I want to reinforce here. Number one, the sports books that exist now give the opportunity to millions and millions of people, the millions and millions of people to gamble in on professional sports. All, almost all of them if not all of them, I'm not sure because I've only dealt with several, but I will say all the ones that I've dealt with only give you money for cash. And I mean cash as in liquid funds. I have not dealt with any sports book that has allowed me to put anything on credit. Period. They don't do it. If you want credit, you go to a bookie. 
that form of gambling has been around since the dawn of time. The gambling that has exploded here is simply gambling within with available cash. I'm not saying that it can't lead to problems. I'm not saying it can't lead to lead to addiction. It can do all that stuff. But the gambling that has blossomed in the past two, three years is not the the it's not the avenue that's going to create issues and controversies and problems. It's just not. It's not going to happen. Florio, though, continues to write about gambling at any point that he can. So, after the whole Aaron Rodgers debacle, he once again references Michael Thomas and says, you know, the odds are that Michael Thomas is going to stay because that's what points bet has. So, Then he writes a story about how the Jets, and this one I think was today, he writes another story about how the Jets had a crazy bet made on them at DraftKings in the amount of $2,751.03. And that would net a win of $209,078.28. What was that bet for? It was for the Jets to win the Super Bowl. You can take the ticket and flush it down. Number one, that's not a lot of money. If you know people that bet, $2,700 is not a lot of money. It's a lot of money to me. It's a lot of money to a lot of people. It's not a lot of money to a lot of people. And especially big-time gamblers, it's not a lot of money. If you're betting $2,700 on the Jets to win the Super Bowl... I don't even know what you would make, but it is well, well, well into the six figures. That's a fact. Number two, Florio, you have to make up your fucking mind. You state the NFL has to be cautious about their gambling that is now surrounding the league, or else it's going to have a huge controversy on its hands, the likes of the NHL and the NBA with Tim Donaghy, when somebody in the NFL fixes games. Right? And you've pinned your career to this league. But then you promote gambling every chance you can get. So here you go. You, you're making a killing covering the NFL. For years and years and years, you don't cover gambling ever. Now gambling is legal. You talk about controversy and how it could ruin the game, but then every chance you get, you're mentioning gambling. Like, you don't care. There's no code. And I'm not saying it's wrong to talk about gambling. (laughs) We talk about it all the time. It's what most, if not all, of this podcast ends up being about come season. But I'm not saying gambling's bad. You know, I've known... I can't even tell you how many gamblers my entire life. And yes, I've known a couple of degenerate ones that were problem children. But for the most part, no. They're just people gambling. So, I, I mean, my slant has never been that gambling is a bad thing. But when you don't talk about it forever, and then you're writing articles about how the NFL's got to watch itself or else there's going to be a, some kind of controversy or game-fixing on their hand, you can't then go around and just talk about gambling every single time. 
I mean, you're, you're making stories about it. Aaron Rodgers, Michael Thomas, you're basing your reporting on gambling. The same gambling that's going to ruin the league one year if the NFL is not careful. Okay, enough. Enough. It's just the fabric of the game now. And like I said, the new gambling environment is never going to generate a controversy that the old environment didn't. The old environment was all based on credit. That's how you get into deep shit trouble. It's called leverage. It's every time the word leverage comes into play. Gambling, uh, stock market, investments. Anytime you hear the word leverage, that's when you have problems. That's when there's possible controversies. This gambling that's taking place now since the internet came into play and they allowed for sports booking, sports books around the, each one of these states independently, that, that is not going to create leverage and that's not going to create controversy. I'm sorry. And go back prior to three years ago, whenever it came in, in to play, the localized sports books. That was when there was leverage, That when there was credit. Before that, before the internet, how many controversies were there in the NFL? Everything done before three years ago was done with bookies or overseas through a credit card or whatever. How many controversies were there then? Zero. Zip. Nada. There was nothing. If there was, it was so underground, you never even knew about it. And it was dealt with however it was dealt with. But it was never a big controversy, and it was nothing that the NFL ever came, you know, under you know, under the microscope for. It didn't happen. Not saying it didn't exist. Maybe it did. But whatever it was, it was minuscule to the point that it never hit the radar. So why now, when all of this betting is so small compared to the old school betting that was taking place with leverage and off the books with, you know, bad guys, right? Ooh, the mafia, they run all the gambling. You know, if nothing happened then, why is it going to happen there now? It won't. That's the reason. So that's why every time I hear Florio talk about this, you know, he wants to talk about controversies. There won't be any. And then he wants to reference gambling for his stories. How does that make sense? It, it, the guy's just become become a walking contradiction. Oh, and so let's get off of gambling for a hot second because here's the other Florio flubbero. This has to do with COVID. Loves talking about COVID. Loves talking about COVID, right? So he writes... Kirk Cousins and Lamar Jackson should both get vaccinated, along with everyone else. Look, I have tried very much not to get political on the podcast. I can't help but talk about COVID because it's around all over the place. But let's let's be honest here. Nobody has to get the vaccine. That's not how this country works. If you want the vaccine, you get it. If you don't want it, you don't get it. 
And nobody on this fucking planet, in this fucking country, has the right to tell anybody that they should or should not get vaccinated. That's their choice. And I covered it before. I'm just going to say it wrong. I got vaccinated. I didn't want to. I did it because it was a calculated risk. I don't know what they put in my body. I'll be a guinea pig in the experiment because I am hoping that if I get COVID, I am not going to get really bad effects and I'm going to live and then I can still be a father to my six and my 10-year-old. No six, no 10-year-old, no wife. I'm probably not getting the shot because I just don't know what it is that they put in me. And I know all about the mRNA technology, yada, 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 yada. But nobody knows what actually was put in our bodies because they didn't take the DNA sequencing from this COVID and put it in the RNA technology until this thing popped up. So they don't have any long-term studies that combine the two. They have a ton of studies with one part of the technology, but not with this genome sequencing from the virus. Now they have both of them, and we're all going to tell what the results of those trials are. Okay, all that said, this is what he writes about Cousins and Jackson. Both Cousins and Jackson should get vaccinated. All NFL players should get vaccinated. Starting quarterbacks, the leaders of their teams, should be at the front of the line. An alarming number of them, many of whom are hiding behind HIPAA and other flimsy excuses, aren't. They all should be vaccinated. Everyone should be vaccinated. We've been clear on that for months. Whoa, whoa, okay. Guess what, guys? Mike Florio and Pro Football Talk have been very clear that you all should bend over and take that fucking shot right in the ass. And I know they give it in the arm. It's just not the same effect unless you say it's in the ass. I'm sorry. It's beyond arrogant to write paragraphs like that. Who are you? Who are you? I'm sorry. I I, I just it, I I get offended when sports writers start taking a political front because you should just shut up and write your stupid football stories. That's what you should do, and just stay out of COVID altogether. And if you're going to say, well, COVID's a part of football now because of the testing, eh, not really. Not really. You write about what happens on the field. And what happens on the field? Player gets, uh, you know, tests positive for COVID and he's not vaccinated. He misses 10 days. And that's what you write about. You don't write about people hiding behind HIPAA laws. You don't write about people, everybody should be vaccinated. You don't write quarterbacks should be at the front of the line. Fuck are you. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. And then he writes in the next, uh, another story about the Bills. He writes, Bills are requiring fans to wear masks indoors. And this is his uh, quote in there. Quote, unquote. The key to ending COVID-19 pandemic is getting almost everyone vaccinated. But until that happens, mask mandates are coming back. So let me read that line to you again. The key to ending the COVID-19 pandemic is getting almost everyone vaccinated. And this is why you should just stay in your lane, shut your mouth, and write about football. 
right? LeBron James, shut up and dribble the ball. Mike Florio should shut up and write about football. Let me just cue this up, and I'm going to play this in its entirety. What I'm about to play is CNN coverage, courtesy CNN, Wolf Blitzer and the CDC director, I forget her name. And they're going to be talking about (coughs) COVID and the Delta variant and vaccinations. So remember, the Florio quote is, the key to ending the COVID-19 pandemic is getting almost everyone vaccinated. Come on, Wolf, talk to me, babe. When it comes to breakthrough cases, people who are fully vaccinated but get COVID, experts have repeatedly insisted that scary, breakthrough, breakthrough cases case. are rare, almost dismissing fears. But would it have been better to give a more nuanced explanation about what to expect? I think we all have to recognize that um, with 164 million million people who are vaccinated, um, we should expect tens of thousands, perhaps, of uh, breakthrough infections. The NFL numbers are showing that's not the the case. It's way higher. What happens here? Those breakthrough infections have mild illness. They are staying out of the hospital. That is true. Dying. And I think that that's the most important thing to understand. We have a massive number of people who are vaccinated. And and, um, those breakthrough infections tend to be mild and not severe. Yep, that's right. They tend to be But what very about uh, all the fully vaccinated people who get the breakthrough infection? Can they pass it on? Could they pass it on to their children? Yep. Here we go. Could Listen, pass the virus? cue it up. Can vaccinated people pass the virus on? on? To older people, especially more vulnerable people with the underlying health conditions. And that's exactly the point that we made in our guidance. So, yes, they can with the Delta variant. And that was the reason that we changed our guidance last Tuesday. Um, Our vaccines are working exceptionally well. They continue to work well for Delta with regard to severe illness and death. They prevent it. So you won't die. What they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. So if you're going home to somebody who has not been vaccinated, to somebody who can't get vaccinated, somebody who might be immunosuppressed or a little bit uh, frail. Remember Florier's quote. uh, comorbidities that put them at high risk, I would suggest you wear a mask in public indoor settings. Especially if you, if there is a breakthrough case, uh, you get COVID, you're fully vaccinated, but you are totally asymptomatic, you could still pass on the virus to someone else. Is that right? That's right. And how does that end the pandemic? That's exactly right. And that's where our masking recommendation came from. It's so important, these masks. Oh, uh, oh yes. So important, these masks. Fucking Wolf in Dr. there with his own little editorial. So important, these masks. In early September, just in a few weeks. By the way, depending on what you believe, like, who will be Rand Paul has shown first, multiple uh, studies that have said that cloth masks and surgical masks don't prevent the spread of this. We're looking at those data carefully. Those data include looking. Oh, this is all choppy. Come on. Looking at I'm using a shitbox fire uh, tablet our here. clinical trials, cohorts from across the country, our essential workers, long-term care facilities, healthcare workers who are va- uh, vaccinated early. And we're working closely with the FDA following those data, and we'll come up with a plan um, soon in September. And do you think that before that will happen, the emergency use authorization for these vaccines will be changed to complete and full authorization? Of course they are. That's the that whole point. That lies squarely with the FDA, but I know that they're working very hard in order to get that full approval because I recognize that we all recognize that some people are waiting for that approval to get vaccinated. 
So what we're seeing in Israel and Germany and the United Kingdom right now, people already starting or about to start. <laughs> well, Israel's about to start therapeutics that get you out of the hospital in five days Getting if you come down with a severe shots. infection. We can brace There's another story that, that just broke yesterday. that happening in the next few weeks here in the United States. Is that right? We're having conversations. Okay, uh, this, this is getting all choppy and broken up, so uh, I'm done with it here. But anyway, the point of this whole thing was Florio says the key to ending the COVID-19 pandemic is getting almost everyone vaccinated. And there you just had the CDC director, Walensky, in her own words, say that the COVID vaccines currently do a excellent job at keeping you alive. But with the Delta variant, which is what, the the 90% of all COVID, COVID uh, cases right now are the Delta variant in the United States, that the current vaccines do not prevent the spread of COVID. So you can't tell me that getting everyone vaccinated is going to end the COVID-19 pandemic because it's not. Because... You still get sick with it. You just don't get really sick with it, the breakthrough cases, which, by the way, as I mentioned, the NFL is showing that those numbers are completely fucking false because NFL people are all vaccinated, with the exception of the players, of which a lot are, some aren't, but all Tier 1 people are. You've already had people testing positive left and right that were actually breakthrough cases. And she was saying what? You know, we should expect tens of thousands out of the, you know, I don't know how many millions of people. Those numbers don't add up because the NFL isn't, you know, (laughs) the NFL is what, uh, 53 people plus sideline. I mean, you're talking about 1,000 people, you know, whatever it is. And they had so many. You could do the numbers if you really want to map it out, go through the, the, the league's news, pull out all the people that tested positive that were breakthrough cases and match it against all of the employees that are tier one plus the players. And there you go. And there you can figure out if those numbers match up to what Walensky's are saying, which and Walensky's are going to be a fraction of a percent. So point is, is that I don't know what vaccines ultimately will do. I know that the vaccines have shown so far to keep you out of the hospital. It is your choice as a living, breathing American whether or not you want to get this vaccine slash experimental drug put into your system. That's who has the choice. It's you. If you don't and you don't get sick, congratulations. If you don't and you do get sick, I feel bad for you. The thing was out there. It was a risk and I understand why you don't take it understood why you didn't take it. But I will never stand on any soapbox and say that the leader of their team should be on the front of the line. And I will never say that the key to ending a pandemic that I have no clue anything about is getting everybody to take experimental drug that nobody really knows what it's doing. Other than they're pretty confident it is preventing people from dying. That's just me. That's just me. All right. Enough of uh, enough of shitting on PFT for a while. Let's just hop on and wrap this sucker up here. Couple signings, couple of cuts. Colts signed uh, their GM Chris Ballard and Coach Frank Reich through 2026. They've done a fantastic job so far, and they turned you know Reich. 
look, hey, you made chicken salad out of chicken shit, right? They didn't want you. They wanted McDaniels. McDaniels told them to go fuck themselves. You came in. You took the team, and you're doing a solid job. So guess what? You get paid, and you get a contract through 2026. The Seahawks released defensive end Alden Smith. Look, the Alden Smith story was so unfortunate because – he was such a phenomenal talent. And what was it, that Monday night game where he had five sacks or something when he was on the 49ers? He looked so good. Then he comes back last year. He lights it up in the beginning. Then he kind of falls off. And then in the offseason, he has something come up, right? I think it was the offseason. I don't think it was something recent. But anyway, the Seahawks picked him up. And they just did a story about him yesterday, the day before. I was saying he was... You know, looking forward to the season, and then they released him for off off the field issues. So I would imagine at this point, you know, he had been gone for several years. He came back. Uh, you know, he Cowboys basically showed him the door after he had an okay season. So you could see that the Cowboys were not in on it, and I think that might have had to do with this story that came out too. Um, something that happened off the field. I forget what it was. But anyway, at this point with the Seahawks releasing him, you'd figure that's the end of his career. I, I don't know how many more chances can you get. I, I feel, you know, you got to go to rehab. You got to get yourself fixed. But look, you just came from rehab. You just sat out a couple of years. It didn't happen. I, you know, at this point, it's usually not going to correct itself. And you're, you're more or less past your prime now. I mean, uh, I don't. I don't know what team would be willing to throw the dice on you, and who knows if you can deliver and they can depend on you. I, you've kind of shown time and time again you can't. So, Alden Smith, just another sad story of potential uh, talents wasted. Uh, Bet MGM. Here we go talking about gambling again. Uh, Bet MGM and the Cardinals are going to open a sports book in State Farm Stadium. In State Farm Stadium. So there you go. There's the first one, and there will be one everywhere. And Amy Trask, who used to be, I think, the Raiders director, uh, she wrote that how funny it was that now there's a gambling sports book inside an arena when she at one point, or the Raiders at one point, had put up fantasy football information on their website, and the NFL had called them and told them to take it down. And she goes, yeah, look at that. We were talking about fantasy fantasy uh, football and just giving information related to it. We were told by the NFL to take that shit down, and now the NFL has allowed a sports book to be inside the stadium. Of course, you know who stepped up to the plate and chimed in. Yes, the great Mike Mike Florio, PFT, hashtag money talks. You're right, motherfucker, money talks. So go talk about gambling even more. Uh, Nate Burleson, here's a good story, something that's kind of weird. Nate Burleson is going to be the new co-host of CBS This Morning. Yes, Nate Burleson, the mediocre wide receiver that, uh, I mean, the Lions is who I remember him from the most. Uh, I, I think, did he play for the Vikings? Anyway, he comes on. He becomes uh, one of the hosts of Good Morning Football. He ends up being pretty good. They throw him on CBS uh, Football Sunday podcast, the, the studio shows. Ends up doing good. I think he came on and did something else. He ends up... Stepping in and doing spot duty in replacement of somebody on CBS The Morning Show. They loved him so much they gave him the gig. So sayonara to Good Morning Football. He will be leaving that one. The first of the initial people to leave. 
Uh, although I, Kay is the one we're all waiting to leave. And I'm hoping she lands in Penthouse or, or Playboy or something. Well, Playboy doesn't exist, right? So Penthouse, Hustler maybe? Ooh, Hustler would be nice with Kay. Uh, but Nate Burleson will be the first one to leave, and he's going to go to CBS this morning. And good for Nate. Really questionable about the television talk show environment. If you have to go and shoulder tap a NFL ex-player who was on a morning NFL broadcast to come and do the morning show? I mean, look, I understand that these morning shows are built all around fame, notoriety, and presentation, but at a certain point, there's got to be some formula that you go by at some point. There's got to be some feeder system. I mean, there are people doing morning shows all across the country for their local stations, whatever it might be, that have been practicing and practicing and practicing. And you're just going to pull an ex-NFL player that did an NFL morning show because you think you like him. And he very well might knock it out of the park. Strahan's been fine. That's great. But if that's the case, if you are uh, Tammy Osborne sitting in the middle of South Dakota doing a morning show, you can hang it up if you have aspirations of going big time because you're going to get beaten to the punch by ex-NFL players, ex-NBA players, ex-athletes, ex-this guy, ex-famous person this. I mean, there is just no prerequisites anymore for being a broadcaster other than being able to speak articulately and get point across and creating a ruckus every here and there to get your name in the paper. Why Dan Orlevsky, now Orlovsky, whatever the hell that guy's name is, is all over ESPN, right? And if you see that guy talk now, all he does is argue with people. ESPN has become the argument capital of the nation. That's all the people do. They just fight with each other constantly, constantly. I mean, it is so... Orlovsky was going back and forth. I'm not even going to get into it. I I can't... I, I get mad at myself for even watching it, much less talking about it on my own podcast when I you know, I keep saying I don't care about this shit and I talk about it. I'm like I'm the biggest walking contradiction there is and I hate hypocrites and that's why I end up being a being a hypocrite. It's maddening. It makes me more insane than the fact that I haven't had a job for in eighteen months. Uh, and finally let's wrap it up with Dan Campbell. Uh, this is this, I'm going to call this uh, the Dan Campbell is God session. That, that's right. The, we're going to have the PFT rag session and Dan Campbell is God session. And Dan Campbell is God session is basically going to revolve around him saying something awesome. Uh, and by awesome, I mean completely idiotic and moronic and stupid. So today um, he is talking about the players on his team. He says that he thinks that ex-Patriots coach Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn did a good job with their roster because there are no turds here. That boy is good. There are no turds here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this guy is the best. I mean... It's a meathead sport with a meathead coach. And that, my friends, is the recipe for a good omelet.
So that's it. Wrapping it up. Audi 5000. Enjoy the rest of your days. Talk to you soon. Peace.